This podcast is a production of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Parkersburg, West Virginia. We have worship every Sunday at 10.15 a.m., Bible study before that at 9 a.m. I'm Pastor Golden. Join us on Sunday, won't you? And have a blessed, blessed day. Study continues in Romans. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your one grace you give to us and you teach to us today the grace of forgiveness, uh, forgiveness of sins, which we learn about in the first chapter of Romans today. Let your Holy Spirit rest upon us today and edify us and strengthen our faith that we may know ultimately the forgiveness of sins in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So we left off at uh, chapter 1, verse 28, actually. And we're in the third bracket under this, uh, under this one understanding. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. This is self-asserted wisdom. And then we have these therefores. Therefore, what did God do about it? Verse 24, therefore God gave them up, handed them over to the lusts of their hearts to impurity. And then in verse 26, God gave them up, handed them over to dishonorable passions. You want it, you got it. Same thing in here with verse 28 as we start. Uh, somebody would like to go, go ahead and read just verse 28. Yeah, thank you. So they didn't see fit to acknowledge God. We'll talk about that. What is a debased mind? It sounds bad. Yeah, yeah, it definitely sounds bad. What's that? Depraved. Yeah, it definitely has to do with depraved, debased, depraved. And actually, this word right here, acknowledge, and debased, same word in Greek. Yeah, well, one is un, unacknowledged. Um, it is actually a word that has to do with discernment. They did not see fit to discern or give mind, mind, mindful approval to the existence of God. So God gave them up to an undiscerning, unapproving, unmindful mind. Um, this word is actually about the testing of metals. Interestingly, we, we test metal for its uh, impurities or purities, or test metals for their hardness and strength and flexibility. But since they did not see fit to properly discern God, so therefore God gave them up to an undiscerning mind to do what ought not to be done. This is the third of, of handing over. Of course, before this, we, we've talked about unnatural sexual practice. And so what does this mean? It means that somebody who practices unnatural sexual practice are handed over to their own sin. Um, it's the outcome of wandering away from God. It's a divinely ordered, the divinely ordered punishment for sin is to 
let you rest in your sin. Uh, it, sinning without forgiveness has a consequence of sin's consequences. Um, quite simply, you're handed over to the power of that sin, which, if you remember, Paul describes as the building up of filth, the building up of, of, of toxicity. God hands sin over to its own consequences, uh, like the despair of a man or a woman who later on in life regrets not having the chance to become a mother or a father. Because in unnatural relations, you can't be a, a, a mother or a father. It's just, by God's own design, naturally impossible. Now, God did not meet their test. In their mind, God did not meet their test, which was basically all of the creation around, the way things naturally happen, the way people naturally multiply, the way people naturally are, are, are given a good, a good order of work. So God handed them over to their own mind to decide for themselves what their base of morals should be. Instead of biblical morals. Yeah. Uh, earlier, I don't know what verse was, 18 or somewhere, I talked about them suppressing the Wrath of God, yeah. yeah. By their unrighteousness, suppress the, suppress the obvious truth. I wonder if that's what's going on with all this gender identity stuff today. That's an example of suppressing the truth. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, we talked about, we talked about the transgender swimmers for a little bit. And uh, yeah, we went into that pretty deep. And uh, I don't know if it was divine intervention, but my little recorder didn't record that day. <laughs> maybe, I, I, maybe that was, I don't know. But for those who are self, have self-asserted wisdom, self-righteousness, rather than righteousness, rather than righteousness from God, here we are as Christians. Who's at the center of our life as a Christian? Christ. The cross. Around the words of Christ, the word of God in the Bible, we set our morals. Get married, have kids, have a job, retire, and everything that goes with that. Then we have values. Got morals. Let's put an out. Then we have values. Um, we and our more we value having children. As we get further away, this is kind of our will. We're still under a bondage of the will, but we still have these decisions to make, right? Um, I'm going to go to college, get married, have children, get a good job, stay in one place, live close to my parents, whatever it might be. With Christ at the center. And then, of course, the actual life we live, we could call this the actions we take, how we exercise, how we exercise those decisions. Now, in Romans, humanity has already clearly seen the evidence of God in creation intended to 
drive people to serve and worship God. Instead, they rejected the obvious, rejected the wisdom, and uh, exchanged it for idolatry, the worship of created things, and so far, homosexual activity. So God gives them over to their sin a third time here in verse 28 to an undiscerning mind. That undiscerning mind turns them to their own moral structure. Now I who am a man, but I think I should have been born a woman, can decide my own morals of that being right or wrong. And I can decide my values of what a family might be or what my life might look like after that and take actions and decisions based on that. Self-discerning, self-asserting wisdom, self-righteousness. Who is at the center of our morals? And of course we say, and, and we know that Christ is. So before we go on to the, the next verses are going to show us the, uh, what happens when God hands you over to the full consequences of your sin. What are some examples that we have in our lives as Christians of being handed over to our own sin and having to suffer the consequences? What's a sin? Pick one. Anger. How about anger? Murder in our hearts. It's, it's, it's anger. What happens when you're anger at, angry at somebody? Not even if you say it. Just in your heart, you're just kind of mad. What's the consequences of that? Your blood pressure goes up. Blood, there you go. Your blood pressure goes up. You're stressed. You have anxiety. And you're, you, you actually start to maybe even unconsciously create a division between you and that person. I'm not going to talk to them some man. Take carry that forward when the hardness of our heart hits our mouth and that anger speaks for itself. Not my president. Disunity. Division. Um... Certainly fights against what our morals and values are when we have to live with it, when we have to live without consequences of our sin. So, in order to not live with the consequences of our sin, we repent, we're forgiven, and we lead a Christian life. And there has to be that ongoing repent, forgiven, and leading a Christian life, and learning how to lead a, a Christian life. So God hands us over to sin's consequences. And he, even, in the, even in the original language, uses the same word. All right, you're going to... It's a mirroring, discerning and non-discerning to do what ought not to be done. So... Sin, yeah, yeah, okay. Can I ask you a question? Sure. So I was listening to Issues the other day, and Dr. Peppercorn was on it. Todd Peppercorn, yep. Yeah, Peppercorn, I didn't know. That's right. And I 
was talking because I think he he talked he teaches at seminary now, right? Yep. But he was talking about how he kind of taught living the Christian life when he was a pastor to his congregation. I just wondered if you thought it was a good example because he said we all are poor, miserable sinners, and we go through life and we do the best we can. Yeah, yeah, and the opposite of, uh, you know, being proud and exalting yourself would be humi humbling yourself, which is that lowering. It also could be described as an emptying of yourself. You know, as a sinner, what am I full of if I don't repent? I'm full of anxieties, I'm full of burdens, I'm full of worries. So we cast those burdens onto the Lord so that he can fill us up with good. Yeah, right. Yeah, Paul's a good leader by example when it comes to uh, uh, having to, um, that which I do not want to do, I do. That which I do, I do not want to do. Yeah, it's, maybe I'm just jumping ahead just a, a tiny bit here, but we've got to be careful. I mean, we talk a lot about transgender, homosexuality here, because yes, Paul uses that as an example. But right there in verse 29 and 30, he gives us a whole raft of things that we are guilty of. Yeah. That have nothing to do with oh. the other. So we, we need to be careful when we start focusing too much on any single sin. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right. Because here he begins with an all of the above sort of. Here's everybody. Here's everybody who'd, uh, um, who self-asserts wisdom. Not just homosexual acts, not just, but anybody who um, denies creation, therefore denies a, crea or denies a creator of creation. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely all-inclusive. And we'll, we'll see that too when he starts to include the works of the law. Yeah. I agree with what Fred said, but... <laughs> <laughs> If you do this, then this. Yeah. We stay Christ-centered, and we can't say, okay, your sins are 
illegal right now in society because there's no stop to that. Yeah, the reason I said that though is because in my job and probably everybody's job, I deal with homosexual married people. And if I, and they talk to me a lot, and if I come at them, and they know that I have a Christian faith, but if you come at them with, you're never going to, but you know, we have really honest discussions about something. And I have a couple, have had a couple people, because I'm so much older than everybody else. <laughs> there's like me, and then there's 28-year-olds. But, but you're only 38. That's right. <laughs> I knew I'd like to. <laughs> that's amazing grace for you. Yeah. <laughs> Which, thank you for your letting me play today. But, but, but they, they, they say, they've talked to me about, you know, I'm really struggling. And that some of them have been raised as Christians. And their parents are like, Sorry, but it's against scripture, and they're really struggling. And I and I am very honest and say, scripture says that it is sinful behavior. But if you just come at people with, oh, it's got to be gentle and, and loving. And yeah. And it's so what does it mean to be gentle and loving? And here, you know, using a word that we hear a lot in the media would be pride. We hear a lot. So I, I think about pride when it comes to, I mean, Paul talks about honor. And he's talking in an honor and shame culture context. And I think a lot, I have to think in terms of law and gospel when, anytime I point to the book. And is this person full of pride and hiding their shame? Or maybe they're full of shame and hiding their pride? Yeah, Carly. Yeah, yeah. He went along and went to the Pharisees and right away condemned him because he talked to them and tried to change them, right? Right. Yeah, and, and we're to give other people the reason for the hope that is in us because of this implanted word that we have heard and been taught and have been promised through the Holy Spirit through, through years in most cases. So... To give the reason for the hope that is in us in a gentle, loving way, as as would quite honestly, as would Jesus. You know, and Jesus didn't Jesus didn't hang out with the the mayors and the governors for them to pass the word down to tax collectors and sinners. He hung out with the tax tax collectors and sinners to get the word to the tax collectors and sinners. You know, going straight to the what's the saying? Going straight to the horses now. Here about things because he didn't just say and hang out with them and say, Yeah, this is you know right or whatever. He also pointed out to them that this was not the way they were supposed to be living, but he also didn't say it's okay. He said, Your sins are forgiven and go and don't do it anymore. Go and sin no more. That's yeah. a point that we oftentimes forget when we're dealing with, with that is that we're not telling them it's okay, just keep doing it. You know, that we have to understand that Jesus even said to them, don't do it anymore. Right. He's not always unicorns and rainbows. Exactly. And fluffy exactly. clouds. And he, he said that. Yeah. Yeah. You can't come at it as a Pharisee either. No. No. Ah, there you go. And, and I think that's where we have a hard time finding that balance as to, you know, 
what it says and this is what it is, but we still love you. You know, when you have a family member you're dealing with and you love them very, very much and you're, you're trying to figure out the balance for them to help them see what's here. Yes. And, is... and, you know, also figuring out, you know, how to do that. Yeah. <coughs> There's a lot of truth to that because studies that show, like when they see my my Pharisee suit coming, that's the topic of the March my March newsletter, by the way, the Pharisee suit. Um, when they see my Pharisee suit coming, defenses go up, or they see a salesman, whatever it might be. But coming from family, coming from friends, um, studies after studies have shown how a how new people are brought to church is family and friends. It's not by knocking on the door. It's not by, it's not by pastor sending three to four emails a week. <laughs> well, and, and let's not kid ourselves, especially on the, the homosexuality topic. Just the Pharisee suit anymore, like so many denominations are, are, are accepting, if not even welcoming. So. That's it, true, it, it, yeah. It, it, Because they'll wear a cross around their neck. That's a good point. Yeah, you don't know what the Pharisee suit really means and that much. Jolene, we were talking a couple weeks ago about the new, it's not the new Bible, some of the newer Bibles mm -hmm. have removed um, the gender. I mean, it's not, it's not a, ma I mean, a male God. It's Mother God. Hellenized, yeah. Yeah. So, like, what do you do when that's the Bible that they're reading? Right, yeah. In their churches, because there are a lot of churches now that accept that. Yeah, I, I remember a few years back, I had a couple guys come up my driveway. I think I was doing yard work. And, they, and these guys were... And I don't know the denomination, but Christians who followed Jewish practices, things like the Passover, and I know there's a couple of them, and they're smaller, but they follow all the laws of the Passover. And one of the things that I, I got one of them to thinking, um, he, had, he had started talking to me about, we were talking about Lutheran versus, versus what they believe in the laws. They believe that Christ, yes, fulfilled the law, but we are still to do that because he fulfilled the law when it comes to like not, eat, not eating pork. Um, the Seder meal of the Passover, the bitter herbs and the oils and the such. But I started talking to him a little bit about um, things like uh, seraph seraphim and sabaoth and all, and all that. And their actual, uh, and Elohim. Elohim is a singular God. Elohim is a singular God. I said, I said to him, it's plural. Said, no, no, no. I was like, yeah, I'm a Hebrew student. Im, im or oath are the masculine and feminine endings of plural. He's like, really? I didn't know that. They don't teach us that. The, the, whoever minister didn't teach them that. So a lot of times when it comes to, the, what, what's another Bible that's out there? The Message Bible? You guys ever seen the Message Bible? 
Jehovah's Witness Bible, the New World Translation, will deny Christ's divinity in different translations because the truth is not being told. So they do continue to train Lutheran pastors and some Baptists and many and Roman Catholic priests in the original languages so that at least um, the truth can be known. The truth can be extrapolated from original Greek language. I, that's just one way, of course. There's, there's lots of others. Um, but in giving us over to our sin, whether no matter what it might be, um, the ongoing, it's not just a consequence either. It's also ongoing consequences. And I see that with this word here. This word, as we see in English, is in the past tense. They were filled. Are they still filled? In English, we don't know. It could be empty by now. This was 2,000 years ago. But in the Greek, it's in the perfect tense. Was at one point began to be filled and continually is filled. So that the consequences are ongoing. It started at one point in the past and it has... And it has an ongoing action. Kind of like, I began to run. And I'm still running. Or maybe even better, the glass was filled and is still filled. Past actions have present consequences. Past sins, unrepentant, have ongoing consequences. And those consequences, this, as Paul says here, is just to turn them over to that actual sin. Whatever that pain might be caused, whatever tears that might draw, um, those are the, the consequences of sin. You know, and the one I, I think of, because this it really isn't, it's so ongoing, it can be 40 years, 80 years. Regret. I regret not doing this when I was growing up. I regret that I did this years ago. And those are, the, those are sometimes the, the most difficult sins to understand and realize the overwhelming, abundant forgiveness of God in Jesus Christ. When I go and visit people, they, they wish they took their kids to church more so that their grandkids could be baptized. And they, they, they still try to take on the weight, the guilt, the consequences of, of whatever sins might have been going on at the time. So it's certainly something ongoing until repentance, until casting those burdens. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to be a smart like because I want you to answer the question, but that perfect can have, you know, the dirt did come kill you or come kill your dirt. In other words, it began and ended or it has been going on, I'm saying this wrong. And how do you determine? Does the context determine which one it is? Began and ending, it would be the pluperfect. Began at one point and then ended later on in time as pluperfect. But can't a perfect itself be either punctilio durity, meaning it started at some point in the past and is continuing? Well, it's or certainly. Punctilio meaning it was going on in the past and ended at a point. <laughs> Perfect is a present and ongoing action that started earlier in time. 
I think what you're describing is the pluperf, which is, it's rare, but it does happen. Um, the perfect is also used, and here's the good news. I don't know if Paul uses it, but it's used a couple times in the gospel. The perfect is also used for the crucifixion of Christ. Jesus was crucified. Was it was crucified 2,000 years ago, and that was it. It's an ongoing action. When Jesus appeared to the disciples, he had a hole in the side, hole in his hands, hand, holes in his feet. Jesus is crucified. How will we recognize him? You don't have to worry about, is that really Jesus at the end of the light of the tunnel? You don't have to worry about that. Not only will you recognize your shepherd's voice, you'll see the holes. And he'll say to you, peace be with you. So ongoing, the, the ongoing action of the perfect, it says quite a lot. And we don't get it in English because that would probably add, what, another six words to the English, I suppose. And the Bibles would be thicker. But so be it. They were filled with, a, with all manner of unrighteousness. Now, why were they filled with all manner of unrighteousness? It's the consequences of being unrighteous. Handed over to, their, to the consequences of their own sin. Um, then we have the list. The list. I'm trying to zoom up a little bit here. Does it all fit? Does Paul's list fit on a screen? It does. So we actually have three groups. Got different things going on. Um, group one, having been filled then with all uh, unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, and malice. So we have group one. They are full of. Uh, where's group three? And then, of course, group three. And this was neat to discover this. So in group one, having been filled up with your own morals, because Christ isn't at the center, God's not at the center, it's unrighteous, so hey, all on your own. You get to decide your own morals in life. Um, based on your own wisdom, and then this uh, evil plotting. It's not just simply evil, but it's, an, it's the action of evil. Evil plotting. Covetousness is just like greediness. Um, quite succinctly, it's the state of desiring to have more than you are due. The state of desiring to have more than your daily bread. And then this badness, maliciousness. Everybody here had babies? The baby's got a loaded diaper. How do you, what is, what are, what's some of the words that we say to the baby? Caca. Where's mom? Where's mom? There you go. So the word here, the word here is kakia. Um, that's terrible. We already talked earlier about being uncatheterized. This word's going to repeat, actually. So this maliciousness, 
is a, is a badness. The, the word kakia just means bad. But bad in the Bible is dirty. It's not holy. It's not clean. It's not pure. It's impure. It's toxic. It's kaka. So they're full of... Oh, I'm sorry. It's here. I jumped ahead. Um, and then in group two, we have... Uh, well, they're having been filled with this, they are now full of this. Having been filled with unrighteousness, they're now, and, and it's not parallel, it's not righteousness then envy, not evil then murder, not that then. But having been filled with these four things, they are now full um, with envy, jealousy, spite. If you don't believe in, in God, who says, I am the Lord your God, I am a jealous God, well, then you can decide on your jealousy for yourself. Um, spite, even. Now, murder, being full of murder, is an interesting way to put it. You're full of murder. This is not talking about the um, actual taking of other human life, per se. But the intents and actions of murder is not excluded from their moral circle. Murder? In my morals? Yeah, if I have to. Strife? Quarreling, arguments, strife. Just like we talked about, anger turns us over to strife. Living in anger, you're going to be full of strife, um, quarreling. And then deceit, deceit is kind of like, a, it's actually the word for a decoy. Any duck hunters? They have, they have ducks? I haven't seen many ducks here. Just geese. 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 <laughs> the few geese I've seen here are not bad compared to the north, but I haven't seen that many in town. Are they in the parks? City stuff? Park. <laughs> City Park. <laughs> Wherever they can get food, right? Are there? There's a thing going up the hill and it's full all the time. So they're full of trickery. They're full of decoys. They're full of, hey, let me look like this so I can sell you this. Let me give you chocolate chip cookies on our website for our church that'll bring you to church so you can hear about God and give us your money. That happens in Lutheran. That's a Lutheran church, by the way. Can you tell I was a little specific? Hope you're listening. Um... But it's guile, it's trickery. And then, of course, a bad character. You're just full of caca. Having been filled with caca, you're still filled with caca, like refusing to change your kid's diaper. <laughs> so then, they are proclaimed, having been filled with this, still, and being filled with this still, 
They are proclaimed. They are. Not full, not being filled with, and not full of, but now they just are. Whisperers. Talking behind another's back. Eighth commandment. So that's not gossip and talking behind others' back is not excluded from the from their moral judgments because they can decide for themselves whether that's right or wrong. Um, and then going on with, with verse 30, slanderers. Slanderers are those who are outrightly talking against others. Haters of God. Detesting of God is an acceptable action based on the morals of my self-asserted wisdom. I can detest God. I get to decide that. Um, insolent. To insolent is... It, Somebody who hurts others with words. Um, boast, uh, haughty. Haughty is uh, proud, actually. Giving the self-appearance to be above others. Haughty and height come from the same root word. Um, not being humble, exalting yourself. Because in my self-asserted righteousness, I can decide that that's a good thing. It's fine. Um, boastful. Somebody who brags. Boastful is a, is a bragger. They are a bragger. They are inventors. Or even inventors of evil is actually, uh, it's more about being a discoverer of evil. To invent evil is to, is to discover a new way, a new way to assert evil. A contriver, perhaps. Inventors of evil need to invent evil because the old's not good enough. The good's not good enough. A man and a woman and two kids, not good enough. Um... Based on the things of, of nature leading up to here. Disobedient to parents. Got another repeat. Guess what it is? Kaka! <laughs> Acting badly. So, having been filled with kaka, they're still full of kaka, and they are kaka to parents. Um, uh, interesting that the, that the root word of that is, is, is all the same. Foolish. We'll get through this list, I promise. Then there'll be some grace. Mercy. Um, foolish is to be acting with um, unintelligence. Faithless is... Uh, it, it's more of acting unagreeable. If you're, if you're without faith, you're not agreeing with the morals presented to you with God presented to you, with a mountain right in your face. Because remember, too, as we go through this, this is not, here, here's a bit of grace and mercy and comfort. Paul still isn't talking about righteousness, life, and faith. He's still not talking about salvation. This is still in that same, in, that same, uh, in the context of uh, the unrighteous. Um, ruthless. I'm sorry, heartless 
is literally acting hard-hearted. Acting hard-hearted without a natural affection towards mankind. Commandments 4 through 10. I can decide if on myself on what that might look like or not look like. Yeah. Saying that the unvaccinated should not get an heart transplant. Saying that the... Oh, yeah, you're not deserving of it. because Yeah, yeah, that would be deciding your own moral set, your own value set. And then, of course, ruthless. What is ruthless? Unforgiving. Unforgiving. If you don't believe in forgiveness, if you don't believe that you're wholly forgiven every time, all the time, wholly and completely, you're bound not to forgive others. If you don't forgive that guy who sold you a lemon car 10 years ago, boy, if I ever see him again, do you believe in forgiveness at all? Not all, well, he won't ever say he's sorry to me. Did Jesus have those strings attached to his uh, cross? No. No. All right, though they know. I think this is the last verse of chapter one. Chapter one. Well, whoever would like to read chapter 30, or verse 32, verse 32. You knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only are we the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Yeah. So, in Paul's lawyer-like prosecuting argument, we have a decree. We have a, uh, a verdict. Justice is demanded. What is God's righteous decree that he's talking about? based on all these things that they get now get to decide for themselves their own morals since their wisdom is self-asserted. Let's turn to Genesis 